Welcome to episode 19 of 1530. Today we're going to be talking about the spectacular Wimbledon final that occurred last week between Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. We'll be talking about the numbers of that in crazy five-set match that even went to a tiebreak in the fifth at 12-all. That was one of the best matches I think I've seen. Not the result I wanted, but we'll we'll dive into the numbers there. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your host, Ben and Matt. Well, Matt, why don't you start us off with the stat of the day? Stat of the day, 14 points. That's how many more points Fed won than Joke, and he still lost. You don't see that too often, but it happened here in the final, and I think that's what made it such a great final. Fed won 14 more points than Djokovic in the five-set slugger, but uh, ultimately did not come away with the championship. Yep. And it really just did, I mean... Like we said, we're going to talk about these numbers. Fed obviously held two match points on his serve. Couldn't serve it out. The first match point he tried to go for, tried to run around a backhand and hit an inside-out forehand, missed it wide. Then on the second match point, he hit a very good serve, hit an approach shot to the Djokovic forehand, which usually is the shot. If there is a shot to break down, that's maybe one that would break down. And Djokovic hit an incredible pass cross-court past Federer. So very unexpected. Then you get to Deuce and you think, well, maybe he can save the, the break points. He did not. So he didn't seal it 9-7 if he would have want, converted one of those match points, which would have been interesting because I believe 9-7 is the score that Nadal beat Federer and that epic five-setter of 2008. And so hmm. that's these are kind of the memories that I had watching this match. I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. These are two guys playing at a very high level. A lot of winners, a lot of uh, Fed was using a lot of slice and probing the Djokovic, trying to get some errors. And actually, even Djokovic, a minute after the match, he said Federer was dictating most of those points. He was coming to net smartly, not every point. Um, like I said, using that slice, using that forehand up the line. He still didn't get the job done, but he won. Like I said, we're going to get into it. Way more points on the serve and on the return, but just wasn't clutch. So that's going back to our stat of the day, right? He lost... Federer won 14 more points in total, but the key is in the tiebreakers. It was 11 and 0. Federer had 11 unforced errors. Djokovic had zero. So, you know, Fed, we'll, we'll talk about this. I personally think Fed was the better player on the day, but he was not the clutch, the most clutch player on the day. Djokovic bended, yeah. but he didn't break. And in the tiebreaks, he held clutch, and that's all he needed was three tiebreak wins. Even though Federer played better statistically and overall was dictating. Tiebreaks really, if you're going to get to a tiebreak, you, you, you got to play good. You got to play solid tennis. And Federer, unfortunately, did not. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially in that final, that fifth set tiebreak was miserable. Yeah. I mean, he was not playing like, and I think it's interesting. I mean, Fed didn't even, did not even face a break point until the fourth set. Um, I mean, he was very much in control of that match all the way up. And even in the fourth set, he played a, a good set. Obviously, he took it. But, uh, yeah, just Joke had the right points at the right moment. And there were certain moments there in the fifth, and obviously, I, like just like you mentioned, in all the tie breaks where his serve kind of failed him. He was hitting more second serves than he had been. And, yeah, he just had a few bad looks and critical points. So Yeah, which is funny because – 
on the in the first set, which was super high level of tennis. This is kind of when I knew I'm like, well, we had seen two other Djokovic uh, Federer finals in Wimbledon, 2014, 2015. Both were excellent. 14 went five sets. Um, Federer maybe got lucky coming back. He maybe should have lost him four. He was down five two, but rallied to win the fourth set seven five. Still an epic match, very high level. 2015. Federer stole a tiebreaker. Besides that, Djokovic was in control. But this match, to me, even from the start, I could tell Federer had a game plan. And to mm -hmm. me, I'm like, man, if Federer keeps this up, I don't see how he's going to lose this match. He was playing that good. Like I said, in previous years, he was kind of like maybe lucky to get a set. But when Federer was up 5-3 in the breaker in the first set, and Djokovic came back, I, I knew that that was a huge, a huge deal. Djokovic basically stealing that first set from Federer. And then Federer came back and won the second set 6-1. That was totally unexpected. Yeah. This match was was interesting on many levels. Momentum was was key throughout, back and forth. Federer had a, a break point, which would have allowed him to serve it out at 5-4 in the third set. Djokovic saved that. So, yeah, he just was able to kind of save some of these break points, get to tiebreakers. And normally you would assume, hey, Federer in a tiebreak. Federer is one of the best tiebreak players ever, even against Djokovic in their times that they played in 2014 and 15, both times Federer won at least one tiebreak there. So you, you just you just had to think, yeah, Federer in tiebreak situations would be better. But that day, that was just not the case. Um, and it, it cost him the match. His tiebreak play really did cost him the match. Sure did. But should we? I guess should we go through all the numbers here and just kind of go through all of them and just look at look at what we got? So first... We've already said Djokovic won or lost 14 points more than Federer. So if you break that down statistically in the percentage, Federer won 51.7 points of the match. Djokovic won about 48.3. And so if you look at, I, I was doing some research on this. From the reading I was doing, it looked like basically 52, 53%. That's kind of your key. If you get to 53% of points won, you're pretty much guaranteed to win. The, the probability is just astronomically high that you're going to win the match. And that's usually a blowout match too. Even 52%, if you're going to get to 52%, your odds are, are extremely high. And like the thing, Federer was knocking on the door of that 52%, 51.7. But unfortunately, when you get close to that 50 to 51%, you can lose, you can lose those matches. Um, another stat you look at besides points one overall, because we know you know, a set might make be, be lopsided. Like the 6-1 set, obviously Federer won more points, so maybe making it more lopsided. But you want to look at what's called the dominance ratio, which basically you're taking receiving points won by a player divided by his serve points lost. Kind of an interesting stat here. Federer and above one is obviously good. Usually the player who has a dominance ratio above one wins. Federer had a dominance ratio of 1.23. So that's Pretty extremely high. So again, he won 51.7% of all the points played and had this dominance ratio above one, and he still lost. So again, doing this research, only about 4% of matches um, are won by the player who wins less than 50% of the points in the dominance ratio of less than one. So not only was the quality exceptionally high, but this was just one of those once, I don't know, once in a th one in a thousand <laughs> matches. It's just a crazy crazy anomaly basically that Djokovic was able to because that's the thing if Federer converts one of those match points you say yeah clearly Fed's a better player look at the numbers but this match was way way closer than the numbers even showed and it just it makes it hard with tie breaks right because it's not 
it's it's not able to better to best represent that right but i mean i think this is a textbook definition of why of the phrase this is why they play the game right yeah i mean that's exactly you can we can sit here and go through all these stats and i think it's interesting i mean because you still have people on the tour and they get asked in these interviews and they say, do you use statistics when you're preparing for matches or trying to get better? And there are some pros out there that, you know, are pretty highly ranked and say, you know, I don't really think about it. And I yeah. think they could, they could look at a match like this and say, Fed had every single stat going his way and he still lost. And, and so, I don't know, it's interesting. Obviously, statistics are helpful. Obviously, it helps you to look at the different aspects of your game. But it still is interesting. There's still a, a factor that can't necessarily be explained by just straight statistics. Right. It, it, exactly. And and just because we like to say that the the numbers tell the story, it it doesn't always. I mean, like we like we always say, tennis. I don't even think has enough advanced metrics. But it's not like, be, you know, because you win X stat and Y stat, Z stat, you win the match, right? Like you're, you're saying, win. it's a totally right. independent thing right you have to win not only the most points because that doesn't always happen it's it's whoever wins the last point really right. um and that's just what's unique about tennis you can't run up the score because Federer right. is running up the score in the second set it doesn't matter you reset you have a you have a, a new set in the third set Djokovic takes it in a tie break so it just tennis is a unique game that way which makes it really exciting for for fans and I think for players you can always come back uh, momentum is a huge swing and unfortunately, Federer was on the wrong side of that. For for me, that was it was funny watching the match point. I was already kind of in my mind thinking about my man. He's one point away on his serve. He's been serving so good. You know, if he beats Djokovic in a doll back to back, this could be one of his greatest performances. And it was already one of my favorite matches in a while watching. And then he missed the one match point. You're like, okay, you know, the next one he'll convert. He didn't. And then all of a sudden, doubts started creeping in. And what if he doesn't? And if he goes to a tiebreak at twelve all, you know, what if he doesn't convert? And he didn't, which Three tie breaks. I would have. I would have for sure. If I if I looked at the score and didn't see the names, I would have guessed Federer would have won based on the score line, right? Sure. Uh, especially seeing the six one. Joke. Jokovic doesn't lose set six one really on any surface, yeah. and Federer's good at winning tie breaks. So yeah, it was just an interesting match. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, even in that fifth set, you talk about momentum swings. I mean, in that fifth set alone, Joke goes up a break. Yep. And he's serving first, right? And so. Yeah, so he just needs to hold on. Fed comes back and breaks him. I it was the momentum went back and forth and back and forth more than in a normal match. I mean, the quality of tennis was I mean, it was classic Fed. It was it was good tennis. Yeah, it, like you're saying, the points the points were were excellent. Um the construction you could see that they were, you know, it was a battle out there and Djokovic even said after the match he said that was probably it wasn't the most physically demanding match, even though it was the longest Wimbledon final at almost five hours, because he said, of course, Australian Open against Nadal, five-setter that went way longer, was yeah. more physical. But he said this is the most mentally taxing match he's ever had, which yeah. I thought was very interesting because of the way Fed was just his variety, I think, and his tactics and using the slice, using the serve, using the volleys, and that forehand up the line, which he used so good against Nadal. It just, he, he had it all. And, and Djokovic really... He was off balance most of the match, honestly. And he had little yeah. times and lulls where you're like, man, does Djokovic even know what he's doing out there? But <laughs> like I said, I think he, he he might be one of the most 
I mean, I, I hate to say it, but he might be one of the most clutch players we have in the game. He, of course, probably for a lot of Fed fans, elicited memories of the 2011 and 10, 2010 U.S. Open semifinals where Djokovic saved match points against Federer. And this is what it kind of reminded me of, you know, where, where you think, hey, you know, that's lucky. But I, I think he just, he really does deal with the pressure well somehow. I don't don't know how, but Federer's the one that looked more like a mortal in, the, in those scenarios. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because, I mean, when I think about these players on the court, I mean, Djokovic is a lot more audible. When he's getting frustrated with himself, you know he's frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, he got a got a uh, violation in the fifth set because he swatted the microphone on the, the chair arms uh, on his chair. And so... To be a, a lot of people, you would look at that and say, well, they don't have that mental acuity. They don't have that mental fortitude. But, I mean, he showed it in those, in those critical points, at least in this match for sure. Yep. And he's done it in others. Perfect. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's go through some of these numbers here. So ace count, we have um, predictably Federer was higher. 25 aces to Djokovic 10. Djokovic had nine double faults. That's, that's a lot higher than uh, even I recall. I know he had a few double faults at pivotal moments. Fed had six double faults. Um, and then first serve in was, they were basically identical. Djokovic, 62%. Federer, a little bit better though, 63%. And it's interesting their serve, you know, just to comment on their first serve, they serve pretty much at the same service speed, even on average, around 117-ish. Um, it's it's interesting that their game is, so they're both able to, to use that offense. Djokovic has especially been better lately. In the last, you know, six, seven, eight years at using that serve to find offense instead of just being a rallier or a pusher. But it's but it's funny that their serve numbers actually even look pretty identical. Their first serve percentage looks similar. Uh, first serve points one, which like I said on a previous the previous episode, this is to me a huge predictor of who's gonna win on grass court, who can win the points easier. Federer had 79%, which is a very good, very good statistic, to Djokovic's 74%. So 5% higher there. And then win percent on second serve. Classically, we always talk about Fed was 51%. Djokovic, 47%. Kind of low. Djokovic really, you know, maybe with the grass, Fed are serving better or not, still not returning at his best, but he still was able to win the match. Net points won. Fed had a, an excellent percentage of 78%. He came to net 65 times. Djokovic, 63%. 38 times. Fed had some great passes on, on Djokovic. Um, wasn't as good at the net as you'd expect Djokovic to be. And then break points won. Fed won seven um, out of 13 for 54%. And Joke won three um, out of eight for 38%. And like you said, all of those coming in the fourth and fifth set for Djokovic. And then receiving points won. Uh, Federer with 36%. Djokovic 32%. Winners, this is a huge thing. Well, one for me to look at. 94 winners for Federer. 54 for Djokovic. 40 more winners. And you get, okay, well, did Fed hit, hit way more shanks, have way more on force? He did have more on force. He had 62, but Djokovic had 52. So Djokovic is plus or minus. We'll look at that a lot too. Winners to unforce was only plus two. Federer's was plus, what is that, 32? 32. That's, I mean, if, if I just saw only those two numbers alone, I'd say, oh, yeah, the other guy blew the other guy out. But that's just not what happened, right? And then we already talked about total points won. 218 points to 204 for Djokovic. 
And then Federer covered a little bit more distance total and a little bit more distance per point, therefore. So, like I said, I mean, a lot of the numbers are close, but every one of them, except for unforced errors, and then if you add in their tie breaks as one, Federer was better in every, every category statistically. Just interesting there. And then let's go to the IBM keys of the match. These I thought was interesting again. So um, if you're not familiar with IBM keys of the match, they basically give three keys and then it tracks it through each set. And so I'll, I'll read Djokovic's keys to the match. And this basically using a lot of mo modeling and analytics that if they hit these different metrics, each player, they have a very high probability of winning. And this is based on, on who they're playing as well as how the certain player likes to game to game play. So yeah, this is interesting. So Djokovic's were win more than 27% of first serve return points, which again, you think, yeah, Djokovic should be able to get that. He only got that in the fifth set. So he was one out of five on that key to the match. Win more than 79% of points on first serve. So no, he didn't do that over the match because his was 74%. Fed was about 79. Uh, Joke did that only in the first and the fourth sets. And he didn't even win the fourth set. And then the last key, he did, he did a lot better on average, more than six points per game returning. So again, making these in the longer return games against Federer, I could definitely see that being a key to the match that makes sense to me. And he got that in the second, uh, fourth, and fifth sets. So again, second and fourth sets, he didn't win. So he only total got five out of his 15 keys to the match. If you add up all the keys over all the sets. So that's not very good. I wouldn't just based on looking at keys to the match, think that he won. So we'll go to Fetters. Some of his were interesting here. So his was stand more than almost a meter in front of the baseline during rallies in his service games. Makes sense. The closer Fetters in, the more angles he has, he can be more aggressive. I thought this was an interesting one against Djokovic. He only did that in the third and fifth sets, and he didn't win either of those sets. Uh, win more than 72% of points on first serve. We know he did that over the match. And he did. He did that in all five sets. And then the last uh, point or the key of the match was win more than 22% of first serve return points, which he did in the second, third, and fifth sets. So his total were 10 out of the 15 keys to the match. So again, just looking at keys to the match of, okay, so we know some of these other analytics or some of these other st statistics Fed did better on, but what about the stats that actually matter? And some of them aren't even tracked on the little um, scorecard for the statistics. Federer in IBM's model did better than Djokovic as far as winning more keys to the match and still lost. And even Djokovic, some of the keys he got were in sets he lost. So this just shows you how razor thin the match really was. It could have, it really could have gone either way. It was really a point here and a point there, literally with match point, obviously two match points that Djokovic saved, but yeah, I don't, I don't even know much, much more to say. It's, it's kind of <laughs> kind of hard to talk about, right. When we talk about the numbers and the predictive power, but sometimes you just have to say some matches are this. Uh, I was reading someone has coined the phrase of lottery matches where they're so rare and they're just such toss ups. You can't even really, you can't even really describe them because statistically they're, they're just that close. And this was one of the matches. It was an Epic but it was it was probably one of the, the closest matches I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Definitely uh submitted joke as uh 
as a true competitor up there. I mean, obviously he's is right there behind Fed and and Nadal and the amount of slams that he has and things. Yeah. I don't think it was ever in doubt, but the fortitude that he showed in this match only helped to cement his uh, his legacy. Yep, exactly. Now he's won five Wimbledons. You already mentioned the total slam count. Fed's twenty, Nadal eighteen, and Djokovic at what is he at fourteen now or sixteen? Yeah, excuse me. I was I was gonna say I think he's at sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. excuse me. Yep, he was already ahead of Sampras. Excuse me. Yep. So he's only yeah, two so behind. Think he's he's right there. Two behind Nadal. Yeah. He's right there. Yep. The only bright spot here is that Rafa is still only two slams behind Fed. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got he's got to hold him off. Well, that's and that's what would have been crazy if he would have been able to win a, another one to separate himself from Nadal a little bit more and then to keep Djokovic at bay as well. That I mean, yeah. uh, Fed even talked about that. He said I didn't get into tennis to to set break these records, records to break records yeah. and also to protect them because he's like you can't protect them at the end of the day anyways you just you do yeah. what you can and you and you play the game so yep. that was interesting and, and i guess just lastly kind of comments on the the match just i i thought this was very reminiscent of and, and maybe fed has found the formula to play against Djokovic because you know maybe he plays this again how many simulations and you know he he wins most or he wins at least one of them he played very similar to the Paris uh, final or semifinal, excuse me, this last year. I believe it was 2018. So it's an indoor court, so plays fast. Federer lost to Djokovic in three sets. Two were tie breaks. Djokovic won both of the tie breaks, and Federer won the second set, 7-5. Federer was never broken in the match. He faced a slew of break points, but he saved every single one of them and still lost. So... You know, first I was like, oh, yeah, Federer, you know, tie breaks. I've never seen him play so badly. Usually he always wins them. Well, this is one that I had to kind of remember and recall that, yeah, actually Djokovic beat him pretty good in those two tie breaks as well. And Federer, he was basically going through his service games and holding every one of them. So, but he did use a lot of the slice and then that's how he kind of was able to stay alive. So maybe there is a blueprint for how to play Djokovic, even though unfortunately... He just couldn't get the tie breaks done. Again, it went down to the unforced errors in the tie break, eleven to zero. Yeah, that's crazy. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays on the the hard court. Yeah, we'll yeah. Move over to New York and exactly. Well, Cincinnati, of course, too, where Fed always plays well and super fast. That's true. Djokovic finally won it last year, so yeah. Cincinnati and going to New York, that'll be it'll be super fascinating. Um, last comments is not having to do with the final or the stats, but. Talking about the young guns because they didn't, they kind of disappointed at Wimbledon, and 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 it was funny. <laughs> Federer and Djokovic, that's yeah, an understatement. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, especially for how well they did at Miami and some other tournaments, they they seem to show up sometimes, and other times they're not even around. But Djokovic was asked about it, and he was pretty abrupt. He was asked. It was one of the press conferences. He said, "You know, I don't want to keep talking about these guys, right?" Mm -hmm. He's like, "I." He's like, they'll get there when they get there. Obviously, they're not there yet. They're not consistent. So why am I talking about them? Basically saying once they win something, then I'll, then I'll talk about them. So it kind of sounded like he was a little bit exhausted hearing about them, which I thought was funny. <laughs> he was a little cranky. Uh, this, is before, this is before the final. This is Maybe he was thinking about having to play Fed in this big match. But Federer was interesting. He offered a little bit more insight, and I, I just wanted to, to discuss it because I thought it was relevant. We've been talking about why did these young players not break through? He talked about how – key the ranking points are he said yeah so whatever even if you have a really good young player and they have to play you know myself in the second round and they play rafa in the fourth round and Djokovic, you know 
if if you have to play so many good players early on, you're probably not going to go very far in a slam. Mm. So he talked about how the key is to build ranking points by doing well in other smaller tournaments. And then with that, you get better seeding, you get protected. You know, you, you don't have to see a top guy until the fourth round or quarters, right? That type of thing. But then he talked about how in this era, right? So you have this crazy era of Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and then even Murray to some extent in some of those years. So then he said, okay, so we're all kind of dominating there. And then you have the top 10, which is so tight. You know, there, there's a little bit of movement, but then you have guys like Stan Wawrinka and Del Potro who make kind of late career resurgences. And he said, with that, there's really no room for anybody else to stay consistent, to stay, excuse me, to stay high enough ranked in order to get far enough into the Grand Slams. And I thought that was an interesting perspective. You know, he, of course, has talked a lot about these young players and some of them have beaten him. But I think he, from a realist perspective, talking about just even statistically in order to go far in a Grand Slam, if you have to beat too many good guys in a row, you're just not going to do it unless you're that much better than those guys, which, which of course they're not yet. You know, maybe they right. can beat Federer in one round, but they can't. Tsitsipas couldn't beat Nadal in the semis of Australian Open. So I thought that was an interesting perspective. And so even though Zverev started to build his ranking, he's still, you know, still not there. And these other players, maybe Tsitsipas and others, just need to have time to build that ranking so that they cannot see these top guys until later. But yeah, I thought it was an interesting perspective from Feder. That is interesting. Yeah, I think to both their points, I think Joke brings up a good point because Alex uh, Zverev even said, and what was it, the French Open? Because he, I mean, he won a few matches. He didn't go terribly far, but I think he may have made it out of the first week. Yeah. Anyway, so. he said he said Sisipas's success has been the best thing for him because suddenly everybody is moved on to Sissipas. And so he <laughs> said, finally, I don't have all of this pressure. And so, I mean, to Joke's point, maybe that, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of it. And these, these young guns have so much, so much pressure of, oh, you know, are, are you going to be the one that finally topples? And so maybe just kind of backing off them and letting them do their thing and be kids <laughs> yeah. as they kind of learn the game and learn the, the, Intric, you know the intricacies of of playing on a tour level, but into Fed's into Fed's comments, I mean RBA, that part of the bracket that didn't have the big three, you know, in the quarterfinal, that's that's very much to his point, right? I mean there there was an opportunity for success there because he had this little microcosm in Wimbledon where you didn't have to worry about playing Joke or Fed or Rafa until you know, semis and, and on, or I guess, yeah, yeah, semis and on. And so kind of gave him an opportunity to, you know, play some smaller teams and some smaller people and get their game and conserve some energy until they have to get to the very end of the tournament where they can play the bigger names. But yeah. That is an interesting, interesting perspective that Fed provided. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was, it was noteworthy for sure, especially as we, we talk about these young players up and coming, and maybe there is a lot of pressure heaped upon them when a great like Federer Djokovic talks about how good these young guys are by name specifically. Yeah. But yeah, yep. Well, I think that's all we have today. And just a reminder that you can catch us on cognitionsphere.com. Our theme music is brought to you by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from his song Cool Rock. And until next time, we'll see you on the court. <laughs>